The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. Welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show. I'm Richard Lawrence, and this is an Ethereus podcast, also syndicated on other radio networks, Body and Mind Spirit Radio, WTRM The Trim Radio Network, Transformation Talk Radio, home of the Dr. Pat Show, and Oneness Talk Radio. Well, today I'm delighted to say we're joined by two guests who are both very good friends of mine. We're joined by Jeremy Curtis, who's going to share his, what we like to call MOT, Moment of Truth. And also we're going to be hearing again from Mark Bennett. And as always, we're joined by our producer, Darren Ball, who really puts this show together and is the architect behind it. And of course, always comes forth with questions, with comments from you, the listeners. And thank you so much. They're still coming in. We love getting them, both comments, questions. And Darren has the job of picking out one or two of those, which I don't know what they're going to be. And I'm going to attempt to answer. But today... We are looking at one of the biggest sea changes uh, ever. I know that's quite a thing to say, but it you'll see why, I think, as we progress, hopefully. Um, and it's one of the biggest changes within the nine freedoms. It really is massive, much, much bigger than it might appear to be. I mean, I read this book uh, oh, a long time ago not quite 50 years ago, but not too far off. And I certainly wouldn't have known then uh, how big this significant change was. And I am starting to gain now some appreciation of it. Uh, It's something which we really have to think about, but it's not a theoretical, it is a philosophical statement, but it's far, far more to the to, to than that. As we always try to do on the Spiritual Freedom Show, we're trying to make these outstanding aphorisms and just taking short aphorisms and looking into them, having the opportunity to really look at them and see how they apply. And by apply, I even include the highest of the freedoms, the seventh, the eighth, the ninth, freedoms, interplanetary existence, Saturnian existence, and even solar existence. Yes, it's inspiring to see what lies ahead, what these great intelligences are capable of, and how they uh, gain experience. But also, how does it, how can this principle be applied to us, to our lives, to our path, if we're on one? And we're all on one a path of one kind or another. Hopefully, it's a spiritual path. So this particular change, we're going to try and look and see how this affects us, what we do about it. But I think it's much better that you hear from Dr. King than from me uh, about this. And you'll see when you do, in the extract I've selected, uh, which is taken from the lecture he gave on the seventh freedom, 
uh, on May the 30th, uh, 1961, shortly after this seventh freedom was delivered, he gave the series of lectures, which is available. I mean, do go to www.theorist.org and you'll find out where that you can get the nine freedoms in audio form. You can get the lectures in audio form there. The lectures are, I, I'm saying this, Dr. King didn't say this, almost transmissions themselves by him, as it were. They're so good. They're so they're some of his most outstanding uh, lectures. I think those who are familiar with his teachings will agree on that. And they really are revealing. So this particular extract comes from the seventh freedom, interplanetary existence. You might think, well, that's a long way off. But the revelation that's made affects us now. It affects all life. It's bringing us into line, I would say, with the way the cosmic intelligences evolve. So that our evolution on Earth, which has been, as it were, tailor-made for us, is now being brought into line with cosmic existence. And you'll see when you hear this that Dr. King, Dr. King himself was absolutely staggered. Bear in mind that when he takes a cos or took a cosmic transmission, and this will be over 60 years ago now, he was in deep somatic trance. So he had no recollection after he'd taken that com communication of what was said. Uh, he was in such a deep somatic trance, he had surpassed the conscious mind into the superconscious somatic uh, sphere. So therefore, he didn't have conscious memory afterwards. So he came across this after he listened to the transmission that he had just received. And he was knocked out by this one statement, very short statement, that we're going to be focusing on not only, I think, in this show, I think this will take us through uh, more than one show. It's such a vast thing. Anyway, let's hear this extract delivered by Dr. King about this particular revelation. Now, what I'm going to show you now may not mean very much to you at this stage. But whether it does or not, believe me, it is the sacred wisdom. And it is the most important part of the sacred wisdom the most important part of it. It's the basis upon which all man's knowledge rests. It may not mean much to you. To me, it's staggering. Maybe because I realize it and have had certain instruction. Now, the ancient interpretation of progression was that creation preservation, transmigration, A-U-M, the mystic word. Now it was said that nobody knows who gave this to the ancient Brahmins because it existed before even the Brahmins existed. The symbol of A-U-M is this that you see down here except the triangle. But that's how we put it down. And on ancient Brahmin text, if you ever got hold of it, and some of us have seen it, you would see that as the basis of all the wisdom on earth, and indeed it is. There's nothing outside of that. I defy any man, woman, child, bird, cat, dog, or mouse, or Martian, 
to tell me one thing outside of that on this earth and he cannot do so because it contains all that there is to contain three words see I told you that everything was simple it's a trouble it's not easy but it's simple uh, along comes our friend from Mars whatever he or it is and he alters this with about two letters and he gives us a much much clearer picture here we have the initial creation we have preservation in matter we have the individualized spark of God thrown deep into matter in other words involution God saw fit to involve itself must have been we can prove it logically and it's simple to prove logically we all admit that there is such a thing as evolution in other words to evolve up to something greater well evolution of perfection is not possible you either have perfection or imperfection so therefore if evolution is possible we have do not have perfection well we believe that the one divine source is perfect so as evolution is necessary involution must have taken place QED so here we have cre uh, but in in involution matter as we know it we have preservation and gradual movement towards transmigration back to creation again a transmigration of the soul principle so said the ancients but they missed something they missed the most probably the most profound thing of all I don't say they didn't know it but it wasn't given to the earth at this time at that time so now I make history you may not recognize it but this is history one of the most important facets of history Wow. Wow, indeed. So you can see there just what an effect this had on Dr. King. And he fully admitted that his views up to that date on Earth, while he was on Earth, I mean, uh, had been wrong. He had, they'd been improved, shall we say, by this statement. And he had to change his own views as a result of this. I think that also shows his awareness. Uh, he could see immediately how vast that is that big change and i and i hope that's going to become clear as we progress through one or two spiritual freedom shows that's why we're here to try and get to the bottom of these things and see how they apply to us every day as living things not as theoretical things leave it not as theory said mars sector 6 in another transmission let's make this practical by the way you'll notice a reference there to a triangle and in the book, if you have it, uh, and I do recommend you to get it if you don't, you'll see that this, these three words, creation, preservation, transmutation, formerly transmigration, are in a triangle with creation at the top, preservation at the bottom left, and uh, transmutation at the bottom right. In a, in a, in there. That's how it's depicted, the triangle of wisdom. And you might say, how could a piece of what seems to be philosophical theory 
have such a dramatic effect upon the way we live, the way we think, the way we evolve? Well, first of all, we have to remember, and I, I did make this point very early on in the Spiritual Freedom Show, but in case you're a new listener, if you are, welcome. It's great to have you on board. That these are statements of law delivered by a Lord of Karma, which means that whatever existed before these were delivered may no longer exist now because these teachings as statements of law have been delivered by a Lord of Karma. This one on March the 8th, 1961. As I say, as far as Dr. King was concerned, an improvement had been made which impacts upon everything we do and particularly on our spiritual expression. I'm not saying this is the biggest new revelation in the nine freedoms, because, for example, we're told about the nature of interplanetary existence, life on Saturn, life on the sun, but it's the biggest change, I think, probably, in this set of teachings, the biggest alteration to the ancient wisdom, let's put it that way. It's not just an addition, it's a correction. You could say that the old wisdom wasn't exactly wrong, but it was certainly incomplete in the light of this revelation. And what was taught before as a description of karmic evolution, in, in many, many ways, they may not have even used the word transmigration as a word, but that was the essence behind that. the teachings that were given before. That no longer applies. It won't even, frankly, work now. Because now we're more aligned to the reality of divine law than we were before this teaching was given. It's as big as that. And it's so big, we're going to really have to get down to it. You could say this is the reason why, for example, the first four freedoms, bravery, love, service, enlightenment, were given as the essential steps to cosmic consciousness. They are different from the steps, for example, in the aphorisms of Patanjali or in the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, they don't make those untrue, but there's a change of priority. And you could say it's because of this change. They flow from it. And thankfully, we have the chance to, to really look into it. So what is this change? Let's really look at it. As Dr. King said, it's really two letters, or you could say three, from transmigration to transmutation. Why did this have such an impact upon a master, let's face it, as he was then, of several yogas, including Nani, the yoga of wisdom, Raja, the yoga of mind, Dr. George King? As he explained, first comes creation. That's universally known in all the great traditions from the Hindu. It's in the Bible. Then comes preservation, which is obviously crucial to maintain in being that which has been created. Manifestation, you might say, on all levels throughout the universe. But where do we go from there? That's where the concept of transmigration came in. Now, as I say, you may have heard other words, but from the Kabbalists, from certain Christian saints, the Sufis, uh, certain people in different ways were teaching this idea of transmigration. It's strange, actually, that within the Christian tradition, I think in particular, which is all about or should be all about love and service, really, there was such a strong hermetic and monastic culture which grew up quite soon, actually. Uh, in various parts of the world, 
all of which fits in to this overarching concept of transmigration, even if they've never heard the word. And I may say it was successfully accomplished in a number of cases. They divorced themselves from material things. They were able to enter in one way or another, through one tradition or another, higher states of consciousness. And more importantly, and I really want to say this, they were allowed to. They were permitted to. It was an allowance in the law for people on this earth, you might say. Uh, If your goal is to seek higher consciousness at all costs and leave behind physical and mental life, you don't need to be concerned about physical and mental life or even what happens to it when you transmigrate, when you leave it behind. Uh, You might say when you ditch it for higher things, whatever phrase you want to use. Those things at one time were called maya or illusion to the Brahmin sage. They weren't even real. And I stress that the path worked then, but it wouldn't work now because of the seventh freedom. We've been given an even greater teaching. No longer can you leave behind matter and material life uh, and, and find complete freedom. You've got to take it with you. And this is as I say, a massive thing which we're going to explore more deeply. But before we do that, I'm going to go over to our our producer now, Darren, because he's waiting patiently, I know. And I think, Darren, you've had quite a few comments and questions in, I believe. Yeah, we have certainly have, Richard. Um, Hi to everybody who's listening. I've got a couple I'm I'm really excited to share today. Uh, Just say, first of all, thanks to everyone who's been tuning in for this uh, almost the past year here, sharing your feedback, your comments, uh, your spiritual experience and your questions for us to talk about on the show. Um, If you're hearing this for the first time or you haven't written to us before, we warmly invite you to leave a comment on our website, that's ethereus.org, or to email us, and that's spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk, if there's anything that you'd like to share or ask Richard about. You can also check out Richard's website for the books he's written, including two with Dr. George King, as well as any recent interviews, podcasts, and events that he has presented on a whole range of spiritual topics. So um, turning to the show today, I just thought I'd say before I get stuck in here, Richard, a fantastic extract from the master. And I yeah. think, um, you know, for me, I think one thing that really stood out um, was it's a great example of just one aspect of him and his brand of spirituality, which is logic. And, oh, yes. you know, often gets underestimated or certainly underappreciated in, you know, the whole spiritual kind of world. Um, and I think it's, it's certainly something that sets him apart for me from, um, from so many other teachers out there. And it, and it goes to show, you know, how open-minded he was and he always was and open to correction himself even. And he, absolutely, he, and how knocked out immediately hit him that the great significance of this. And I must say, although it's always been interesting to me, it's only over the years that I've started to begin to really understand why it had that devastating effect on him. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that to me also it makes it makes you pause for a moment to think about what it must be like for a master to be one of a handful of people that could even appreciate the staggering implications of what this change meant. Yes. Uh, yes. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. how, how, you know, what that must be like. And, and of but, course, when, as we'll go into, you know, as other things developed in his mission, uh, without this particular teaching, they wouldn't have made full sense. You know, you mm. need this teaching to understand even the greatest of the thing. I'll just name one, the initiation of Earth. The things mm. that came later all relate back to this creation, preservation, transmutation. 
Anyway, Darren, sorry, I'm interrupting you. You've got questions. no, no. It's 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 the key, as you say, to the door of all this other wisdom that we've been given. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, certainly turn to our first question here, right in line, I think, with what we're talking about today. Um, so this person says, "Hi, I have a spiritual question, but I'm not sure if you would be able to answer it. Um, I only discovered meditation in recent months, but I have been meditating daily since May." Anyway, with what I consider my most successful meditations, I have a full body sensation, similar to receiving Reiki. I'm wondering if the two are related. I don't know much about Reiki, but I wonder if I can somehow direct it outward. I'm not sure if you can help with this, but thank you for your time. I think that's a great question, Darren, and very interesting. And, you know, people often say, you know, how how do I know? Uh, you know, to, how do I recognize a path? I mean, you've mentioned one way, which is logic, which is very underestimated. And by logic, we don't mean intellectual gymnastics. We mean mm-hmm. common sense. You don't have to have a degree. Uh, you know, some of us do, some of us don't. But it's simple common sense, a lot of this logic, and then accepting it regardless of whether you like it or not. So that's one way. Another way, of course, is the intuition, that still small voice within which guides us if we're open to it. But this questioner, I think, sit on another thing, which is the experiences you have, because already this person is experiencing these things. They're not, uh, it's not just a theory. They, they're tangibly, probably feeling uh, the energy from their meditation. But to come to the question, yes, in many ways, it's the same energy, whether you take it within or whether you ra- radiate it outwards. In this day and age, we're encouraged more and more and more to radiate it outwards rather than take it inwards. Uh, so, you know, meditation can be a great sense of inner peace, but it's a perhaps even more wonderful thing to radiate that energy outwards. What I would suggest to this questioner is the 12 Blessings. Uh, 12blessings.org, 12blessings.org is the website of that, uh, as a way, because uh, they, they've asked how they can project this outwards. That's I think that's the finest way I know of. There are others. Healing is another wonderful way. Um, yes, but that's a great question to be asking, because I think that's exactly where we should be going now, not just going inwards for meditating. It's in tune with, as you say, with today's question. It's not about meditating and then transmigrating into nirvana if we're able to get there or whatever. It's uh, sending it out, activating our higher chakras through prayer, through healing, uh, not just for our own benefit. And yes, you can. And I say the 12 blessings would be my number one recommendation. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And I, th- I think, you know, for this person, it's it's the epitome of crossing that bridge between not just going within, but then starting to think about what they can do to reach outwards as well. And how many yeah. times have, have we been um, inspired to do that by the Cosmic Masters and, and Dr. King? Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, you can. it's almost like, you know, this prompting of this person's higher self, um, inspiring them onwards to 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 epitomize what we're talking about here, which is to follow the path towards enlightenment through service. Yeah, I mean, I remember very, very early on, I was very much for the path of inner inner development. That's actually what Mm. I wanted, really. Mm. Uh, I realized service was more important. I couldn't argue with that. But I still had this, you know, real yearning then to to develop myself. And I remember being at home uh, when I was a student and, and I wanted to just get into mantra and get into practices. And it was an absolute block. And it was like, no, wow. you know, I had to get in my car, go up, in my case, to the Ethereum Society and crack wow. in with some work for others. And, it, you know, that that is it. But I must also, just to be balanced, say never forget to go inwards. You know, Indeed. give service, but we'll always need to go inwards as well. Darren, that 
does lead us to our moment of truth, I think. Um, and that I'm actually delighted. We've got for the first time we have Jeremy Curtis, who uh, is a very good friend of ours. He's uh, been on the staff here in London since 2004. He was a mainstay at our health food shop in the Fulham Road for many years. Previous to that, he was a professional driver. He's given psychic readings and healings to his passengers, I gather. He also has a history as a professional musician, playing bass, keyboard with different bands. And he regularly helps us out, by the way. Let me say that when you hear the extracts on this show, the Spiritual Freedom Show, you can guarantee they've been worked on technically by Jeremy for us to play to you. So we want to thank Jeremy for that. So it's today, though, he's going to do something rather different. He's going to share with us his moment of truth. I don't know what it is. I'm looking forward to hearing it myself. So first, uh, let me welcome to the show, Jeremy Curtis. Hello, Richard. Thanks for having me on the show. And please tell us your moment of truth, Jeremy. <clears throat> wow. Well, in the 1990s, when I was a professional driver, I started working for a very small company. And there wasn't much work there, so not much to do. And telephonists there said, well, you should go and work for the larger company down the road. They got the contract with the BBC. You'll be busy there. And they were Checkers of Collendale. So I went to work for Checkers of Collendale. And at the end of my first day, they said, well, if you could uh, call the office at the end of your day and we'll give you your first job for the next day. So I went home, <clears throat> got the local phone book out, looked up Checkers of Collendale, gave them a call. And uh, someone said, hello, Checker Cars. I said, well, hello, I'm car 168. Um, I'm calling you for my first job for tomorrow as I was instructed. And the voice said, no, I don't have a car 168. I said, no, I I'm a new driver. I know. I just started today. <clears throat> but no, he said, I I'm the owner of Checker Cars. I'm taking any on new drivers. I said, oh, so now I'm wondering if I've got the right number. So I said, I'm calling Checkers of Collendale. He said, no, Checkers of Pinner. I said, well, how do I get through to Pinner? by calling a Collindale phone number. So the man explained that he had taken over a Collindale company, taken their phone number, and that's how I was getting through to Pinner. Anyway, he offered me a job with higher earnings, so after the strange mix-up, I started working in Pinner. Now, a few months later, working in Pinner, I found in a local bookshop called Corbett's <clears throat> a book called The Celestine Prophecy, which I'm sure a lot of people have read. And it wasn't the sort of book I would normally read, but for some reason I was drawn to it. So I was starting to read it enthusiastically, but I was disappointed to find out it was a fictional book. And while I like the ideas and the author, the story itself was not actually happening. Now, the next book I found of Corbett's was very different. That was called Contact with the Gods from Space, written by two gentlemen, George King and yourself, Richard, as well. You were the co-author of this book. Yeah. Now, the whole vibe of this book appealed to me. Dr. King had identified the problems of the world. He had the answers and they worked. And I could feel that. And then this was a practical approach involving hard work. Very, very different indeed. Now, at the back of the book, on the last page, were the two addresses of the American and European headquarters of the Ethereum Society. And when I looked at the European address, a voice inside my head, or, or maybe just outside of my thoughts, said to me, this is a holy place. And this holy place is now my home. So I, I, that was quite a moment. And I could see from the book that the most service it could be given on earth was by taking part in the cosmic missions performed by and through the Ethereum society so that meant becoming a member and joining the staff and sure enough i joined as a full member in 2000 by 2004 i was on the staff team and just recently i fulfilled my spiritual goal and was literally on operation sunbeam one of these missions 
and it doesn't get better than that, or, or does it? But I guess I think the thing I've learned from this is we should always follow those little spiritual breadcrumbs because you never know where they may take us. Can I add in there, you did it. You didn't just leave it as a voice in the head or a guidance from within. You followed it and you're still following it. And Jeremy, as he rightly says, resides at Ethereum's house as an absolute mainstay uh, of our actions in London. So thank you very much, Jeremy Curtis. Thank you very much, Richard. Yeah, I, you know, I mentioned earlier that there are, there are various ways, and one of them is by following that inner voice, as, as Jeremy obviously did. But I'd like to add something else. You know, I've come across over the years so many people who have said to me words to the effect, I know I should do this. This is what I've been looking for. Sometimes after a lecture, actually, on the book Jeremy mentioned, Contacts with the Gods from Space, I've been signing books. People have come up to me and said, this is exactly what I've been looking for. This is now what I'm going to do. I think I've heard of people who've passed our premises in, in the Fulham Road, looked in and said, this is the answer. They've, they've had a moment where they've had a realisation, but they haven't always, generally, as a matter of fact, followed it through. And so I think that's another point I'd make about moments of truth. The people you're hearing on this show are people who have not just had moments of truth, but people who have acted on them and are still acting on them today. And that's quite rare on this earth. And so credit to um, our MOTs uh, section of this show. Anyway, let's get back now to the staggering change, the ancient wisdom as revealed in the seventh freedom. And I'm now going to ask Darren to actually play it, the exact extract which Dr. King was referring to. It's very short. In fact, it's only 21 seconds. But as Dr. King himself said, it's 21 seconds of history. It is historic. And I hope gradually we're going to start to understand why, exactly why and how it is so historic. So, Darren, could you play this extract now, please? This is the secret of creation. It is the secret of preservation. It is the secret of transmutation. Secret of transmutation. That's the voice there of Mars Sector 6 speaking through Dr. George King uh, over 60 years ago. And that's the big change from transmigration, moving away, leaving the dross behind, the material dross, the lower mind dross behind, and somehow sort of evaporating into nirvana uh, to amalgamate with the universe without any second thought, as it were, or need for a further thought about the dross, the mayor, as they used to call it, uh, that you've left behind. Transmigration. As I say, there are other traditions which also did this. Strangely, the Christian tradition had that whole hermetic aspect within it too. You wouldn't think so based on the teachings of Jesus, really. Love thy neighbor as thyself and, and all the rest of it. But, however, that's what happened. It's been there even in the Kabbalistic tradition, as I say, in many, many others. Whether they use the actual word transmigration or not, that's what was behind the concept. Now it's transmutation. And, as I say, to some it could sound very arcane, very theoretical, but it's not. Because it impacts on everything we do, especially on our journey back to God. And that really is everything that we do. We're no longer in material existence being delusional or just an appearance. 
although on our world there are many delusions connected to it in the form of political propaganda, we know it all, financial manipulation, all the other things that go on. Yes, there's lots of delusions in materialism. Materialism as a thing is delusional because it's a belief in that that's all that there is and that's all that matters, and it isn't. Uh, of course, all that, all, all that matters. Sorry about the pun there on the word matters, but it isn't delusional it, in the sense that it does exist. It's not the ultimate reality, and it's not even the true essence of life, which is energy. The true essence of life is energy, manifesting at many different levels in many, many ways. But it is at least a reflection. That's the word Mars Sector used in a great transmission called a meditation for this age. It's a reflection of the life. And as such, that reflection exists. And I think that's a much more healthy and useful way of looking at it. As a matter of fact, I think one couldn't really perform effective service at a material level or in the material world, even if it was at a spiritual level, without this philosophy or without recognizing that these things are at least at the very least a reflection of a higher reality and because it exists we have to deal with it we have to manage it we have to use it in service we have to control it let's boil this right down what does that include it includes money it includes health Uh, it includes travel physical travel Uh, it includes a place to live Those things matter in the sense that they are requirements of our life of service. And we can't escape from it. Ultimately, these things will all be transmuted. And through service, we are raising them, you might say, to a higher level. But we can't regard them as just something that we don't be concerned about. Let's grab my begging bowl. Let's go off. Uh, I'm a monk. I'm a sannyasin. Uh, You know, I won't have to think about such things i'll just have i'll beg for arms if they come they come if they don't they don't but i'm not responsible i'm not involved in the material aspects of life we can't do that now uh, because we are responsible for all matter it has to be transmuted into something higher and you can see perhaps start to see dr king says as he said in the extract we played we won't really understand it at this time but we can start to understand it And we can start to see what a massive change this is in the way a spiritually inclined person needs to function. Uh, We believe that the the, the spiritual path of old contained for many, I'm not going to be dogmatic here, but for many, and maybe still does for some, an element of escapism. I'm not saying that was the main reason for it. I'm not saying it applied to everyone, but... It was an appealing path in that we didn't have to be concerned about wars, disputes, hassles, daily living, doing a job, fulfilling our material obligations to others and so on. We could leave that baggage behind in the luggage department and never have to look at it again. We don't have to go back to the luggage department. We just leave it there. And their only concern from then on would be their own joining to their higher consciousness and their own salvation, their own heaven, if you like. They knew they should help others, and the best of them knew that their very enlightenment would help others, at least indirectly, and those best did it primarily for that reason. But indirectly isn't enough anymore, because everything has to be transmuted. This means you can't 
inhibit your lower thoughts, as many were taught to do, encouraged to do, in a conducive environment, which helped them to do it, with others of like mind who also helped them to do it because they have the same goal. No, we have to face up to those thoughts now and we have to transmute them. We can't just walk away from them and believe they're dealt with. It's no longer appropriate, as I said earlier, to take out the begging bowl, either literally or metaphorically, expecting our bills to be paid by others. We have to pay our own debts, whether they be financial, ethical, karmic, because we're interrelated to the whole. And that's where service comes in. And by the way, that's why service must be the most important act we can perform. Because then, when we serve, we're engaged in transmutation as opposed to transmigration, if you think about it. To say there's a vast subject and a massive change which affects everything that everyone does, and I don't think we grasp it fully. We only glimpse the significance of it, but as it sinks in, and let's let it sink in, it's going to change our whole approach to how we live. And I think as it does, we're going to feel good about it because we're going to see we're not actually missing something. There's not something else that if only we had the time to go away and concentrate on ourselves, we'd be all right. No, this is the way. This is all right. And it's a strange thing that in the old teaching of transmigration, we could believe you could isolate yourself from others and migrate towards divinity. There was an element, I'm going to say this, of selfishness about it in a way. And that would be burnt out if you stayed firm to the path because you couldn't gain cosmic consciousness, for example, with a selfish motive. That very motive would block your progress to such an elevated state. But still, below that level, in the journey, there was an element of selfishness on the part of many in leaving behind the world to find your own salvation without a second thought for the others, the others that you've left behind, the others who are not in your secluded retreat, who are not in your in the Himalayas where you are dwelling or whatever part of the world you're dwelling to find your own enlightenment. But that's gone now. You can't do that now. You have to be engaged in the world, dealing with the world, helping others, giving service to all, not just those you know and love, or you won't get that far now because of transmutation. And I want to say this. That's a good thing, isn't it? It seems to me that that seed of selfishness which existed in some of the old paths must have reflected in the world as a whole. The world as a whole we know is riddled with selfishness. And by the way, that selfishness is encouraged. It's considered very acceptable by most people to strive in the life for the things you want, to better yourself and your loved ones in the world, is considered by many to be a noble thing. And it's encouraged particularly by politicians who want votes uh, of all parties and all persuasions. But it's not really, is it, a noble aspiration? It's not nearly enough. It may be necessary to a degree as a basic requirement, but to make that your main goal rather than service to all and at a material level, just as it should be at a spiritual level. But I want to be positive here as we talk about this, I think we've seen a change in the world for the better in some quarters, certainly not all, but in some quarters, since the nine freedoms were delivered. 
And since this statement was made, I think what from what one can tell, there is a, a greater concept in the world as a whole of charity and altruism. Not enough, but a greater concept. The serving professions, for example, are held in very high regard now, whereas at one time they weren't so much, not particularly, uh, and probably higher regard, I'd say, than any other profession, the serving professions. And that's a good thing, the nurses, the doctors, the people who really work for some very low salaries are held in high regard just as they should be. Maybe that at a lower level, in a way, than cosmic consciousness, but nevertheless, it's a change, isn't it? From transmigration, where you consider yourself and your own evolution, to transmutation, where you consider all, because you're part of all. And it's got to be truer, hasn't it? It's got to be greater. I remember Dr. King once said to a yogi who told him that he'd been to the Godhead, he said, did you take a hat off? That was Dr. King's first question to this yogi. But the second one was, okay, so then if you've been to the Godhead, you know that we're all part of one. All is one. And so the only thing to do is to serve. And, you know, there's this old saying, it's not quite, it often gets misquoted, but Mahatma Gandhi, what he actually said was, if we could change ourselves, the tendencies in the world would also change. By acting in the light of this teaching, we help to bring this teaching into being in our world, not just as transmigration for ourselves, but as transmutation for all. And I just want to say one other little thing before we move to our our guest, I'm looking forward very much to, Mark Bennett. Uh, It was in the 12 blessings that the Master Jesus said, uh, the greatest gift from man or even God to man I'm paraphrasing this, is experience. And that too was ignored in somewhat in the path of transmigration. And Dr. King once said it's almost as though they thought experience was a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing to be used to be mastered. And it brings a different result if you think about it, because if you just go off and think about yourself, and you might be able to rise above your thoughts. But if you transmute them through experience you don't rise above you your thoughts you rise the thoughts themselves and that i think is the the real big difference and the big change which i say we're going to explore again certainly in the next spiritual freedom show because there's far more to be drawn from this than i've been able to touch on today. But now we're going to go to Mark Bennett, who's a very, very close friend of mine. I've known him for almost 25 years, and he chose this spiritual path at a very early age. Uh, In fact, younger than I did, I believe he was 16, I think. He's the youngest international director of the Aetherius Society, the co-author of two books, which he wrote with me, God's Guides and Guardian Angels and Prayer Energy. He was absolutely crucial to both those books. And today, He's going to lead us in a contemplation of appreciation of this wisdom, as well as a prayer for personal and global wisdom. So welcome back to the Spiritual Freedom Show, Mark Bennett. Thank you, Richard. Great to be here. So, uh, so much to take in, um, and I'm going to try to help our our listeners to uh, make their, their minds that little bit more fertile, for this potentially 
infinitely rich harvest. So let's, um, as long as it's safe to do so, let's sit now with the palms face downwards on the knees, the backs straight, the chin tilted slightly upwards, mouth closed, the eyes closed, breathing deeply and evenly through the nostrils. Let's try and completely fill the lungs on the in-breath and completely empty the lungs on the out-breath. And as we're doing this, let us think about the fact that if we completely empty our lungs on the out-breath, we get a whole new set of air in our lungs next time we breathe in. More than that, we get fresh prana, the universal life force. Let's visualize this as a white light coming in on the in-breath, on the air, through the nostrils, filling the lungs. And on the out-breath, let us see this light filling our whole being. And as we do this, let us repeat to ourselves gently but firmly, I am now purifying my mind and my body. I am now purifying my mind and body. And let us really mean this. Let us think about what this does mean. Imagine how wonderful it would be to have a pure mind and a pure body. And what is a pure mind? A good mind, certainly. A, a mind devoid of hatred and evil thoughts. But also a mind of perfect perception, perfect logic, perfect clarity, devoid of all confusion. Let us imagine if we did this kind of practice, not just for a few minutes, but for hours and hours and hours. Let us imagine someone who made this kind of practice their whole life. Let us think of the rishis, the brahmins, the yogis of old. Let us picture some remote cave. Perhaps as the sun is rising, they're sat there alone, whether it's cold or hot, they're detached. The beautiful view in front of them means nothing to them, because their eyes are closed and their focus is entirely inwards. Their bodies, their minds, Slaves of the spirit. Let's try to imagine the discipline that this would take. Let us try to imagine the rewards that this would bring. The strength of mind, the profundity of wisdom. And now let us turn to the strange thought that in this wisdom of transmutation, we know more than they do. Not because we are better, but because of the grace of the cosmic masters. 
because they have given it to our young, unripe minds. And in this gift, we have a ladder to come closer to their minds as we think the thoughts that they think in our own very basic, limited way. We can become that little bit more like these great interplanetary masters. Let us feel a gratitude for this link that we are being given by virtue of this wisdom. This is not just information. This will have an etheric link to the mind that gave it to us, the karmic lord, Mars Sector 6. And as such, by thinking about this wisdom, we gain a stronger bond with this sacred, ancient intelligence. So let's now raise the hands in a prayer, a position, visualize the white light, now not so much coming in through the breath, but coming down from above the top of the head, down through our whole being and out through the palms of the hands and the heart chakra a few inches in front of the physical breastbone. So we join together in one mind in prayer. O mighty Brahma, indeed are we awed and honored by the gift of this sacred wisdom. We give thanks to the great God who gave it to us, the karmic Lord Mars Sector 6. We pray that we may take this within ourselves and allow it to blossom as the great flower of illumination that it is within our hearts and minds. And we pray that the world around us may be so risen, may be so transmuted, such that all the hearts and minds of earth may rejoice in the wondrous power of this essential and timeless truth that is an essential aspect of the true nature of God and therefore of all things. We thank you for this wisdom and we pray that we may go forth in its light. And then to end the practice, perform the sealing mudra, brushing the right palm over the left, away from us, just once. May God bless you all. That was wonderful. Thank you so much, Mark. Uh, Mark, by the way, uh, is a priest in the Aetherius churches, and what a beautiful prayer that was, and what helpful, uh, I may say highly intelligent, as I would expect, thoughts there from Mark Bennett. And while that was uh, going on, actually, Alison also passed me a note, Alison, my wife, who's here listening, and just to remind me, of course, to make the point that it's through matter and mind that we manipulate karma, through the use of matter and mind. And that, of course, is a very key point also to do with transmutation. By the way, of course, just one example of this is money. Money is an energy. 
And it's not an evil thing if it's used rightly. Whatever its roots, there might have been evil behind its creation. I, I could believe that. But it's there. And now it can be used and transmutation can take place and it does take place when people apply it towards a great spiritual or altruistic or charitable cause or through in, in, in funding their own spiritual or charitable work, manipulating karma. Key point. Anyway, I'm now delighted to welcome back our producer, Darren, uh, with further comments and questions. Darren Ball. Oh, yeah, thanks, Richard. And yeah, thanks, Mark. Fantastic practice. Really inspiring. And um, I, it actually made me think from a just recalled as you were going through that, uh, leading us in that experience, that I actually had a dream last night of standing outside of a monastery with, with um, these two very ancient looking master like figures who are actually practicing the AUM. Um, only to underscore, yeah, underscore um, just what you were saying in your commentary earlier, Richard, I think, you know, really takes a moment to realize what you've said there, that this change literally affects everything that we do. And mm. it's a completely different approach to life. It's, it's an approach where we have to face up to all these things and, and everything needs to be risen. And um, I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost a way to live um, the sacred teachings that we have been given. And the more we can appreciate, of course, the better, which is fantastic that we can do it on the show today. I've got an interesting experience here from another listener that I would really like to share. And this person says, I was sending out psychic prayers of love and sitting in a half lotus the other day, and the kundalini just started gushing upwards my spine, then back down and up again. It was amazing, like an ecstasy. It was extreme tingling sensation all over my body. Psychic prayer in king yoga is for real. Wow, what a lovely uh, account that is. And very interesting because, you know, I was thinking earlier today, Darren, there's lots of people out there who've never heard of Kundalini. Uh, They don't even know such a thing exists. And yet they're having these spiritual experiences which are driven by Kundalini. We're very fortunate in in the Ethereum Society, and we're not alone in this, by the way, by any means, uh, and in the Nine Freedoms, to know about the existence of Kundalini and to be able to recognize its effects, as this questioner or this commenter obviously does. They experienced it. It's, again, not a theory. It's a feeling. It's an intangible feeling. Uh, And some of it may be the pranas also flowing through the Nardic system, of which there are said to be 72 thousand channels by some 72,000 in the psychic nervous system or nadis uh, which then activate various chakras and this brings about higher states of consciousness so yes these one does lead to another and again they were doing what prayer they were praying I assume for others and the result of that was an effect within themselves so what goes around comes around you you really it really does work service it's not a theory it's all you actually need things like prayer healing service you don't need complicated or advanced or dangerous kundalini yoga exercises these practices the ones for example in realize you're in a potential you have realized you're in a potential and the 12 blessings you've got enough right there uh, it, it and of course these teachings we're talking about today. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it, I thought it was a great testimony of you know the application of this service and that service is the way to enlightenment. Literally, yeah. you know, as you've given on previous shows, it's it's like you know it's mechanically almost the way that it works in the sense that it does when you start to express this love, as this person said, sending out psychic prayers of love. 
when right. you really start to express this love, you do exactly what you've just described. You start yeah. to raise raise this power to the highest centers. So yeah, great example yeah. there. Yeah, I thought I'd just finish with this um, this very nice um, note that we got from someone. Um, so basically, I'm a single mother with two girls, who, and I live every day with great tenacity. I'm a lawyer, and I try to help many people. I live in Italy, Milan. Life is hard for me. I haven't found my true love yet, but I know in my heart anything is possible. I would like to purify my karma from the mistakes of the past, to live with great enthusiasm the beauty that is inside the heart of every human being. And I thank you so much for the teachings that you pass on to me. Wow. How absolutely beautiful. And gosh, there must be so many people in a position something like that. Uh, this is obviously an extremely hardworking person with lots of responsibilities, and yet they're aware of their spiritual life. Uh, very much illustrating, I think, Darren, there, what we're talking about today, transmutation. Yeah, I agree. You know, she says here, you know, life is hard, but she's working working for others, basically, it sounds like, helping other people. And, yeah. uh, you know, she's making, you know, these teachings have come into her life in whatever way, and she's starting to apply them and um, letting them inspire her on her own journey through experience, as we've been talking about today. Indeed. And then, as you said earlier, you do start, whether you're trying to do this or not, consciously, to activate the higher psychic centers just by doing that. Because once you start radiating love, and I would say especially love for all, especially love for people you don't even know, it's, it's because there's no emotion attached to that, personal emotion, just mm. compassion. Um, doesn't mean you shouldn't help those you know. Of course you should. But then you start to activate the higher chakras. And as Mars Sector 6 says in the second freedom, love is radiation through the heart center, the throat center, and the Christ center in its entirety, at its height. And mm. what a fantastic way to activate it through love. But still also, you must be raising the Kundalini by doing that to a higher chakra. It all works as one. It's a far more complete path. Well, we're going to revisit this uh, next time, Darren. We're going to go further and deeper into this teaching of transmutation. But I want to thank our guests. I want to thank uh, Jeremy Curtis again for his moment of truth. Uh, Mark Bennett for that very inspiring uh, contemplation and prayer. And as always, I want to thank Darren Ball, our producer, but also especially to you, our listeners, and for all your comments. And please keep them coming and questions. We can't get to them all. We answer. Darren replies to everyone. But always please remember one thing. Service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. Thank <music> you.